Welcome to the neighborhood. My name is Michael Lacey, husband, father, and host of the Wealthy Neighbor Show, where every week we bring you an amazing interview or message to inspire you as you build wealth for your family. Thanks for stopping by the neighborhood. Now let's jump right in with today's message. Welcome to episode 20 of the Wealthy Neighbor Show. I'm your host, Michael Lacey, and today I have Mr. Albert Daly here to share his journey out of debt. Albert is an occupational therapist down in Florida, and he was able to pay off $45,000 worth of debt in a relatively short amount of time. So, Albert, first off, thank you for coming on the show to share more about your debt-free journey with us. But before we get into that, can you share what you were able to learn about money while you were growing up? Yeah. So um, it's interesting. My parents are always pretty frugal. Um, and I definitely got my per- love for personal finance from my mom. Uh, she was a big fan of Larry Burkett and like the Money Matter show, which is really, really old school on like cassette tapes and stuff like that. You know, and then eventually she became a big fan of Dave Ramsey as well. So like, you know, I was I had a pretty comfortable upbringing. I was pretty privileged. Can't lie about that. But you could also see how my parents were so frugal and that I didn't really grow up with video games or, you know, cable or any of the fun stuff. So it's like they cut back where it was needed but at the same time, you know, if something needs to be spent on tutoring or something like that, my parents were always available. Uh, so it was interesting that like to see that part of me growing up and I saw they spent on what they thought was important and then cut back on what they thought wasn't. Man, you know what? You have just said a name that has never been mentioned on this podcast, Larry <laughs> Burkett. And yes, sir. A lot of you listeners don't know who Larry Burkett is either, but let me just tell you, Dave Ramsey himself credits a lot of stuff to Larry Burkett if you really have a one-on-one conversation or get Dave in a small group setting. He talks about Larry Burkett a lot. So that's awesome that your parents were you know, protégés of the guy who Dave Ramsey got a lot of his stuff from. That's really cool. So let me ask you this. I mean, growing up, you said, you know, you're, you're growing up in a frugal household. Um, nothing's really tight. And, you know, you, you see kind of this value-based spending system modeled for you. And so how did that shape how you viewed and managed money coming into early adulthood? You know, so I'm an occupational therapist and uh, my dad's also an occupational therapist. So I kind of saw the differences between how he went through getting to his career and myself, where, you know, he came to this country from Jamaica with $200 in his pocket at, I think, 27 years old and just kind of had to like figure it out. Meanwhile, you know, I was here with a pretty comfortable upbringing and my parents kind of put me in a position to succeed whenever necessary. Uh, I didn't grow up with Jordans or Nikes. It was a, a champion's household. But if any tutoring or books or anything like that, you know, they would come through. So I just thought to myself, when the time comes and I'm actually earning an income, I don't want me to just make money for the sake of making money to, you know, just do fun stuff. I knew it had to be really intentional and I wanted to kind of maximize that to eventually give opportunities to those that don't have it. You know, that's an interesting answer because at some point in your journey, you found yourself $45,000 in debt. And so how (laughs) did, how did that happen? You know, uh, despite my best efforts, it is extremely difficult to uh, get a master's degree without running into some debt. Um, ah. Yeah, so you, I already described who my parents were, so we were as efficient as you really could be. I did dual enrollment in high school, which actually paid for the first two years. You know, shout out to Broward County Schools for that. 
of college. And then I stayed home for undergrad and I was able to get through undergrad without any debt. But for grad school, I ended up racking about 33,000 and then had three extra thousand of interest added onto that. And then I got an awful car loan of $9,000, which don't ask me how this happened, but it was uh, 15% interest. And that's when I knew I got to clean this mess up or figure out what I'm doing because life is coming at me fast. Okay. So you gave me the perfect segue because you said, don't ask how that happened. So naturally, (laughs) because it's a podcast and I'm the host, I have to ask, how did you find yourself in a a $9,000 car loan with double digit interest coming from a frugal household? Like what was going on at that time? You know, it is on it. Look at, I, I've never said all this in one setting until just now. And now I realize how hilarious this whole thing is. So I finally uh, get applied for my jobs. I'm freaking out that I'm not going to get a job and the world's going to end. I finally get it. Um, and I think, okay, I'm just going to put my head down and ride this old, it wasn't really an old, old Toyota, but ride this Toyota into the ground and I'm just going to chomp at my student loan. So I had the, the concept of paying off my debt. And then a week before my job started, I hit someone and just totaled my car. And then now it's like, okay, now I got to get another one. And I thought, you know, I got the big boy job now. Let me get a dependable car. And I ended up getting a Corolla for about seven grand. But I went with, I bought a car the way you're not supposed to buy it. I had no leverage. The guy knew I drove from, you know, four hours away to my hometown just to get this car. So I was leaving with the car. So I couldn't really negotiate down. And because, you know, the double-edged sword, I grew up in kind of like a Dave Ramsey household. I didn't have any credit cards, so my credit was not great, you know, which I don't think is a problem. But when you're getting a loan, it it does become problematic. Um, So I got that, and I didn't know what any of these numbers meant. I just knew in a general sense the concepts of money management. I didn't know what 15% interest meant. But looking at the look on my dad's face, I could see, okay, this wasn't great. And then I made up my mind, you know, once I start this job, we're going to figure out what the best plan of action is and kind of fix it. Okay. So before we get into how you first started addressing your, your debt, I mean, let's go back to that situation. So you have this, this car issue, you don't have a car and you end up in this car that you finance with this horrible interest rate. So looking back on that, is there anything you would have done differently? And if so, you know, what would you have done? Mm. That's a very good question. I, mm. It goes on both. <laughs> it, it it goes on both sides of it because I really do like my car and I feel like I got a good car at a good value. But at the same time, and because I paid it off so fast, the interest wasn't necessarily that big of a deal. But as a like a guy that loves math, I mean, you never really can excuse fifteen percent interest. Um, I kind of just wish I didn't <laughs> hit someone else's car in the first place. But um, I don't know. I probably would have done it again, knowing that. I would pay it off so quickly, but I wouldn't suggest that to others because, you know, chances are not everyone is in the position to do that. And sometimes life just happens and it, it gets away from you. But uh, in a perfect world, maybe buy a, a, you know, a beater car just to get me through, save up cash and then buy another one. But, you know, can't really regret it, but it's just an interesting question that you asked me. Yeah. I mean, look, you live and learn. I mean, I made a dumb car decision when I was early, you know, early on in my career, I got a big boy job and uh, I work in outside sales. And so they told me, Hey, yeah, we'll give you a stipend every month to kind of <laughs> offset the car. And I was like, great. 
I'm a max this stipend out. And so I get a uh, car and I get this, you know, five, six year car loan. And two and a half years later, I'm not working that job anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I'm kind of left holding the bag on this thing. And so look, I've made that same, well, not the exact same, but a similar bad car decision. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting when I talk to people, how it's so easy to get you know, down that road when it comes to cars. But you mentioned that, you know, you kind of made the decision to start paying off your debt faster than normal. I mean, why was that so important to you? You know, um, kind of like what I mentioned earlier, I knew I didn't want to, I was in a unique situation and I wanted to keep it that way and kind of like maximize the opportunities that I had that I know not everyone had and the information that I had that I know not everyone would have gotten. Um, and I just thought, you know, I did not a, Eventually, it did become a ton of research. But in the beginning, just in a general sense, every kind of financial person out there really suggested that this is probably a good first step to clear this out while you can. I knew, realistically speaking, my expenses are going to be the lowest they are right now because, you know, uh, you know, family and stuff like that. It's, it's never going to get cheaper. So I figured this is probably the best time for me to just knock it out, focus on it while I can. And then, you know, we'll see what the future brings. Okay. And so how old were you at this time when you were, when you first kind of sat down with this debt and decided to address it? So I was 21. 21. Okay. Okay. And so was there like a, you know, you said you did a lot of research, but was there like a defining moment where something happened and you were like, all right, yeah, I've really got to address this. Or was it just kind of something just with your upbringing that made you go, yeah, okay. I I just don't want to deal with this. It, It was a little bit of both. Like I said earlier, I had it made up in my mind that I was going to pay off this debt, you know, just kind of like that's how my life was going to go. But then sitting there um, in the car dealership looking at 15 percent interest, that's when I knew, OK, we're we're we're, we're done here and we're, we're going to solve this and figure out what's going on. Gotcha. OK. And so then when you first started, what did you do? How did you organize everything to to get yourself on that path? Oh man, my budgets at first were a mess. I was kind of winging it until one day uh, my electricity was delinquent and I was wondering why the lights weren't turning on and I realized I forgot to pay it. And then I said, okay, I should probably write all this stuff down and do an actual budget because, you know, it's my first time with, you know, real money. So I was just like, oh, you know, I will figure this out. And that was when I was like, okay, let me actually write this stuff down. But eventually I realized, you know, if I kind of lived the way I was living as a college student just four months earlier, that I was actually, you know, living really frugally and making a pretty good income. And if I maximize within the margins, I could really do some damage. Okay. And so, I mean, you know, we've talked about some of the names early on, Larry Burkett, Dave Ramsey, all that, but were there any books that kind of helped you get even more organized and more efficient when it came to your budget? Like, you know, what were some of the the people or who were some of the people that you were learning from early on? So I can't lie. I hate reading. <laughs> um, I love podcasts and Instagram and stuff like that. So it's going to be more like podcast and, you know, personal finance gurus and stuff like that. I ended up, I'm pretty much a nerd. So I like getting a wide range of things. I like knowing what I agree with, what I disagree with, and why on both sides. So I, obviously we talked about Dave and the team. Um, I like Ramit Seth, Sethi a lot. I'm probably butchering his name right now. But he provides a unique kind of, I don't want to say anti-Dave, but another way of looking at things where a phrase he uses that I love is just kind of like spend guilt-free on the things you truly desire and then cut mercilessly on the things that you don't. 
And I feel like that really gave me, especially for me, where it's like, you know, I've never had money before. So I'm figuring out what I truly value right now in this moment. Um, also, I love Choose FI Radio. They're great, you know, just kind of for me getting the efficiency and figuring out what the next step is and why. Um, who else? Gotta love Rich and Regular on Instagram and Personal Finance Club on Instagram. Every single one of his posts is just on the money. Man, you named all of my favorite people. Choose FI was like, listening to those guys is, is part of what made me want to start this podcast. And oh, yeah. Rich and Regular, like they're like, idols you know what i mean i got to i got a chance to meet them and talk to them at fincon and i mean that they're just incredible um, same with personal finance club jeremy he was at fincon and it was just a great mm-hmm. time getting to meet him and getting to know him and they're just a great group of people man very knowledgeable so yeah i will definitely link to all of those profiles and resources in the show notes so you guys can you listeners can go check that out because those are some awesome awesome people and they know their stuff when it comes to money so oh, yeah you know, with that being said, I mean, would you would you be open to sharing what your income range was during this time when you were getting started? Yeah. So I started off as a new grad OT, which, you know, in my area, which is semi-rural, you know, I wasn't getting paid that much. Well, relatively speaking to the, the national average for OTs. So I started at about 61,000 and then I got up to about 75 with a ton of overtime and weird types of efficiencies I discovered in my job. Okay. And so you mentioned that when you were first doing your budget, like it was terrible, like your lights got cut off and like all this stuff. And so what did you have to change about the way that you were doing things in order for you to succeed and, and, you know, eventually pay off the debt that you've paid off? So, you know, weirdly enough, it's, it was, I don't want to say it was easy, but I didn't have a lot of I made some decisions before I even came back to like my college town, you know, of how I was going to kind of form my life. So my apartment was pretty cheap, relatively speaking. And I, you know, I feel safe here and it's not like I'm going to get robbed or something like that, but it's on the cheaper side. And I feel like if you can cut a couple hundred off of your rent, it kind of opens up everything else. So I had a budget as in what bills I was going to pay and how much I was going to send the debt every month. But I'd be lying if I said that, you know, I had a food budget and a this budget and a that budget. You know, as a single guy living on my own, I mean, I spent probably $40 a week on groceries every week consistently. Um, if I wanted, you know, food or boba tea, I'm addicted to boba tea. It's one of the greatest drinks of all time. You should definitely try it if you haven't had it yet. Um, <laughs> if I wanted something, I could just get it. But when you're taking, you know, two, three hundred, four hundred dollars $400 off of your rent, it really, the little stuff really doesn't matter so much. I think the budgeting was more so making sure that I had my financial goals as if I was going to hit this bill and this bill and send this much of my check to rent. And then I can do whatever I want with the, you know, the other stuff. And the beauty of it, you know, something my dad always taught me is like, Hey, if you want more money, then just work more. And sometimes I would come up short on the budget or like, you know, I would be doing whatever I want and realize, oh, wait, I'm running out of money. And my job is, you know, in healthcare, it's pretty easy to pick up hours. And, uh, you know, I kind of really took advantage of that and found a little little intricacies in my job. You know, for example, some shifts pay more than others if you pick them up. And just kind of finding like, cut I don't want to say cutting corners, but just t- trying to be as efficient as possible. And it's just kind of like a, a seesaw, if you think about it. 
Yeah. So, I mean, were there other any other things like, you know, you mentioned picking up extra hours and, and being strategic about the shifts that you took. Was there anything else that you did that helped you move the needle and, and make this progress so quickly? Oh, yeah. Well, naturally, you know, I told you I'm frugal. Um, <laughs> I grew up, you know, not having Nikes or Jordans as champions and pay less stuff. And I got a lot of that from my mom. And with that, you know, my barbers somehow, you know, I want to say like maybe eight years ago, I was paying $10 a haircut. Suddenly my barber is talking about $30 a haircut. And I'm just like, man, let me buy some clippers and I'll do this on my own. And I've had the most fun, you know, cutting my own hair. And I probably, what is that? $30 every month for the past year or so. So we're talking, you know, probably close to $360, $360 over that time. And I've had more fun cutting my own hair, kind of experimenting with it. I'm growing it out a little bit right now. Um, also, I picked where I live so I could take the bus to work. You know, I work on a university campus, so you have to pay for parking. And something just doesn't sit right in my spirit about paying money to walk $10 in, you know, nasty Florida weather and sweating bullets. So I actually take, I drive to a bus stop and then take the bus to work and it drops me at the door of work, you know, free of charge. And, you know, it's good for the environment, easier on me, and I can listen to podcasts like yours and read whatever I want to read. Um, so just kind of figuring out I don't say cutting corners, but just trying to be as efficient as possible without really taking a significant hit to my quality of life. Right, right. And so, I mean, let's talk about, you know, your your circle of influence, your your family, your friends. I mean, how did they react to not just the decision to pay off the debt so fast, but some of these lifestyle changes that you were making? Oh, yeah. Um, Well, my family, I told you how I grew up. They were pretty much on board from day one and kind of they in a weird way they kind of told me okay this is what you're gonna do and it's easy and no not easy but like this is kind of like the plan so they were all on board my friends you know a lot of them thought it was weird but they definitely saw where i was coming from i never had anybody well not never i did have one guy who told me you know i told him i'm gonna pay off my student loans and he said you know good luck with that kind of rolling his eyes so this is kind of a uh uh Basically, an idol. <laughs> I doubt he's listening to this podcast, but it does bring me joy to to mention that. Um, but outside of that, pretty much everyone was super supportive, and I think you know most people can understand the math behind it, and that it it actually is possible with some adjustments. Um, you know, my girlfriend was a really big support and kind of heard me talk about this stuff all the time. Uh, Everyone was pretty much supportive. I don't. I didn't get any pushback on it outside of that one guy who I have proven wrong since. <laughs> so let's talk about that moment, right? The 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 moment that you had waited so long for, hitting submit on that final payment. I mean, walk me through kind of what that day was like and what that moment was like when you finally became debt free. You know, it, it was strangely anticlimactic. And I've heard other people mention this and it it's the weirdest thing ever because you kind of, you know, I, I do kind of disagree with Dave Ramsey on a couple things, but I appreciate his fire and the, the, the pure energy that comes from it. And like the concept of the debt-free scheme and stuff like that. And you kind of have to visualize it to just convince yourself to send massive amounts of money to uh, your student loan servicer. But at the same time, once I saw that it was in sight, and got a rhythm. It wasn't even like money anymore. It was just months. So I was like, okay, there's many months until I'm debt free. And it's kind of like methodical. So even when the day came, 
I thought I was going to be super hyped, but I, I really wasn't until I told my family because they knew what I was doing, but they didn't know the timeline. And they like freaked out, which was great. But, you know, for me, it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this. I tried to record it and the video didn't really make that much sense. And I couldn't hold the phone and the, look at the camera, at, the, at the, the computer at the same time. And I was like, okay, let's just knock this out. But then I took the photos and that, I feel like that was more exciting than anything. Yeah. You know what? I'm glad you brought up the photos. So, I, cause I do want to talk about that. I mean, your photos that you put on Instagram, you had uh, a, a TV tray essentially with this letter with like a letter board or a sign and you had avocado toast on like, what was that about? Can you kind of talk me through the, the creative process that came into setting that up? So um, <laughs> going back to the concept of being a, a young single man, you know, like I don't have any kids or anything. I'm recording this with the, the computer sitting on that same TV tray right now. <laughs> I don't have any tables in my house. I have two TV trays. I have two chairs. You know, I have four plates. It's 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 a bachelor pad essentially. But um, yeah. So obviously, the one nice thing about paying off debt is it takes freaking forever, and you have a lot of time to think about stuff. So I was kind of thinking of you know I I wanted if I was gonna do a photo I wanted it to be a little bit unique, and then every article you know as the more I got into personal finance the more we look up these articles and for every you know genuine piece of good information. There was something of, you know, millennials are killing the restaurant industry and uh, millennials are doing this and that. And, you know, the standard, well, your Starbucks and avocado toast. And then, you know, I'm into numbers and I, I think I put that in my post as well. When you break it all down, like there is no amount of avocado toast that is going to make up for the difference in what I'm paying, you know, for my education as to what the generations before me did. And kind of going back to what I said earlier. You know, I appreciate my dad for kind of like what he was able to come through being an immigrant to this country. Um, but on the flip side, you know, he kind of rubs it in my face. He's like, yeah, you know, I paid thirty three dollars of credit <laughs> when I was going to school. And and, you know, this is kind of more specific to the, the healthcare industries, but the degrees keep getting, you know, more and more education. So it's like, you know, he has a bachelor's and how many years of experience as an occupational therapist knows way more than I do. Um, meanwhile, my program just went from a master's to a doctorate. So it's like, it's a never ending cycle. So it's not just that you're paying more, but you're going to school for longer. I mean, the, the price differences are truly astounding. And then I don't want to say the irony of it all, but when you get out of school, they're not going to pay you as much because you have no experience. So I just thought, you know, I kind of want to use this opportunity to put it all into numbers and then, you know, have a little bit of fun with it as well. Nah, man. I, like I said, I loved it. I thought it was genius. And uh, I definitely wanted to ask you about that because it, you did. I, I felt like you kind of sent a shockwave through the debt-free community on Instagram <laughs> when you posted it. It got a really good response. And so, I, I mean, I, like I said, I, I'm in total agreement with you. I mean, I think it's kind of, uh, you know, a, a little, I guess, distasteful. Uh, seeing all the the journalists come out with their millennials are ruined industry, and uh, meanwhile you have you don't you know you have it to where you know wages aren't keeping up with inflation or cost of goods or anything like that, and um, you know education's more expensive. And like you said, the 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 needle it keeps moving. The mark keeps moving. It you know it used mm -hmm. to be a, a, an associate's degree, and then it became a bachelor's, and it became a master's. Now it's a doctor. You know, and and it just kind of feels like that target's moving, um, but. Yeah. I don't want to get on a soapbox because I will. <laughs> I'll join you right there on the soapbox. 
So I'll save that for a solo episode where, <laughs> where I can rant a little bit more. But so, you, OK, so you pay off your last debt. And, and, and I want to know, I mean, looking back over your journey, was there any like one thing that you felt like helped you the most? Mm. Mm. That's a good one. I think my answer to that is my why. So kind of you're, you're going to hear this theme all through this podcast, but kind of seeing my parents and the struggle they went through because, you know, something I forgot to mention, my dad went to OT school while raising five kids. So we were already born by the time um, he was going through school. So it's like, you know, this guy was working nights and days while going to internships, never would let his clinical instructors know that he was working nights. I'm talking about he was delivering newspapers for the uh, the local newspaper in Fort Lauderdale where I'm from, sleeping in his car to be on time for classes, like all these crazy stuff. And all I can think is, man, you know, not that I had a silver spoon in my mouth, but if I've been put in this position, it can't just be so that I can drive, you know, my favorite car and, you know, take some vacations. It's It's got to be more than that. And I mean, to be honest with you, I really don't know what I'm going to specifically do with the finances I, and wealth I hope to build going forward. But I like having the option of being able to say, you know, it's not just, I don't, I don't want to look back and think, wow, where did this money go? Which I hear a lot of people kind of saying, and, and it's just the, the reality of it. You know, if you don't track it, it, it'll just get out from under you. Right. Looking back on it, is there anything that maybe you felt like you would have done different? Like, you know, maybe you feel like, oh, I could have gone a little faster or, or I went too fast and I didn't enjoy life enough during this journey. Like, is there anything looking back on it that you say, maybe I could have done this a little bit different or, or are you just content with what you were able to do? Yeah. So, um, looking back through some of the, I don't really journal, but I write down my thoughts sometimes and looking back through some of the stuff I wrote in maybe that first couple of months when I was on like the debt-free journey, you know, I was, I was really too into it. And honestly, you know, you can talk to it to anybody, like, it, especially the student loans, it will stress you out way too much. And I don't think I stayed there, which is a good thing, thank God. But in the beginning, I could really feel it weighing down on me. And it's like, it kind of makes, I don't want to say it makes you a rough person, but you, you get so focused on it. I don't feel like I deprived myself of any material object or experience or anything like that, that I genuinely like regret. Like, you know, I said, if I wanted it, I could just go ahead and get it for the most part. But I do feel like mentally it, it, it takes away your peace, which is kind of the point of getting out of debt so you can have that peace, which is a good thing. But even in the journey, just kind of pacing yourself and knowing, OK, this is it, but we got a plan and we're going to figure out going forward. Because if not, I mean, there'd be times I mean, you know, I'm sure you enjoy your job, but there's some days where you just you don't really want to do it. But it's like, ah, oh, crap. Well, I owe 40 grand to all these people that have bills to pay and like welcome to adulthood. You have to do it. And, you know, kind of taking the idea of work ethic and, you know, I'm going to be mentioning my dad a lot in this, but, you know, as a hard worker, it's not just working hard, but you got to genuinely at least try to enjoy what you do. And if you don't, you're probably not going to be good at your job. So kind of, you know, telling myself not to enjoy it, just to tell myself I enjoy it, but realize, you know, I'm affecting people's lives here. I'm helping them with independence, you know, all of these things. I'm doing great work and I'm getting compensated pretty good for it. Although this massive amount of debt can be a little bit overwhelming, just knowing I'm in a good place in life. I've accomplished a lot. There's still a lot of work to get done, which is a blessing and a privilege to be honest. 
um, and kind of embracing the journey. I think you'll see it on Instagram a lot. People, we, we get a little crazy in the debt-free community just because it's kind of like, you know, being in the matrix and taking the pill. It's like, holy crap. But once you dial it back, it's, you know, it, it's okay. I think just to take a step back and tell me a year and a half ago, you know, relax, enjoy your time, but it, it's okay. Right, right. Uh, my next question would just be, I mean, going forward, uh, how do you plan to build wealth for yourself? Yeah, so I definitely think of myself, I'm probably going to be doing um, more mutual funds and index funds than anything. Uh, my parents have had real estate in the past and still do, but I've seen that it can just be more of a headache than I'm willing to deal with. Um, it, it can work out beautifully, you know, when it does. And you hear people all the time like, yeah. I bought for this much and now it's worth four times as much and all that good stuff. Um, but to me, I kind of like the idea of, you know, index funds or, you know, really good mutual funds, maybe even a real estate investment trust. Um, you kind of can put it in, you can get it when you want it. Although I don't want to touch it for a very long time because I want it to grow, but it, it just seems a lot simpler to me than real estate where, you know, what happens if a tree falls on it or if the market crashes or it becomes a bad neighborhood or, uh, this this long list of things I've seen what being a landlord looks like. I, maybe one day, <laughs> but honestly, right now I, it it doesn't sound like something I want to get into. Let's let's let me ask this, and this is my final question for you. I mean, so let's say there's somebody listening to this now that is in a similar situation to you. They found themselves deep in debt, and they're not a financial genius or anything like that, regardless of background. Um, and they just don't know what to do to get started. I mean, what's some practical things that you can advise them to help them get started and become debt free like you've done? Yeah, I know it's going to sound annoying and uh, pretty <laughs> repetitive, but try to write down, figure out where your money's going, make a budget if you can, and then try to find the margins. So there's how much money you have going out versus how much money you have going in and kind of working in between those two. Uh, and if you do your budget and realize, oh crap, the margin's not very big, you got to figure out either you can make more money or you can spend less money. It's, it's really depressing when you say it like that, but ultimately that is the reality of it. You can make more or spend less. And obviously, you know, I want to say that it's, it's funny, but I do want to, you know, take a moment to, I don't want to say apologize, but like, I understand for some people, it's a very serious problem and they've cut what they can cut and they've what picked up all the shifts they can pick. So I know there's like, you know, not everyone has the flexibility, but if you do have that flexibility, figure out how you can increase those margins. Like I said, in the beginning, you know, you're going to hear a ton of people say, stop eating avocado toast and Starbucks. Honestly, the $3 coffee, it's, it's not going to make that big of a deal if you're spending significantly more than the average in your city on rent. I mean, I, I don't personally like roommates, but if you can house hack or, you know, something like that to cut down your rent and your car expenses, which are probably the biggest two, it will open up so much in your budget. Um, I live in a cheap apartment and I think that's probably the biggest uh, advantage I have. And then everything else is kind of like icing on the cake. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, I do want to give you this opportunity if you'd like to share, um, but tell the people if they want to follow your journey, where they can find you. Yeah, I'm on Instagram at OT underscore Bert. Um, nothing interesting. It's just I'm an occupational therapist, so that's kind of like my thing. Uh, I am not a uh, personal finance guru or an influencer or anything like that. I'm just a normal guy. We have enough uh, great personal finance accounts to follow if you're interested in that. 
But uh, I am a nerd and I love talking about it. So if anyone has any questions, feel free to shoot me a DM. But yeah, I'm just a normal guy who's excited to be on a podcast. But uh, that's pretty much all there is to it. Awesome. Well, hey, Albert, thank you so much for being a normal guy and agreeing to come on and just share your journey with us. I I really do appreciate it. And I'll be sure to link to not just your social media, but all the books and tools and everything you mentioned in the show notes, which you listeners will be able to find at winningtowealth.com slash episode 20. And I'll say that again, that's winningtowealth.com slash episode 20. If you want to get started on your own debt-free journey, but maybe you just don't know where to begin, you can download our step-by-step money guide, which you can find at winningtowealth.com slash guide. Again, that is winningtowealth.com slash guide for a step-by-step guide to get you to wherever it is you're wanting to go financially. Also, if you'd like to continue the dialogue on this episode, Swing by the Neighborhood, where we talk all things money openly and honestly. It's just a cool spot where, again, if you have any questions, you can get those answered. If you want a dialogue about the episode, you can do that. Uh, if you have solutions for somebody else, you can do that as well. But again, you can find that at winningtowealth.com slash neighbors. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Wealthy Neighbor Show. We'll talk soon.